if you are listening to this via podcast, not visually, we're going to pass some waterfalls, some river sounds, some waves and things like that. So be kind to our audio technicians and, and show producers here. We're breaking down RevOps with some of the biggest names in SaaS. Every week, Patrick Campbell and Michael Klett unravel the mysteries of RevOps. I spend all my time thinking about revenue operations. While also enjoying some of the best and freshest hops around. Here's the RevOps. Today, we're talking the rise of RevOps with Scott White, the Chief Revenue Officer of Chargeify. This is RevOps and Hops. Welcome to RevOps and Hops. I'm Patrick Campbell. I'm here with Michael Klett and Scott White. All from Chargeify, so I'm getting ganged up on here a little bit here. That's right, but, uh, in trouble. Yeah, 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 you're the newly minted CRO. I am about months a now. month and a half in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. we're gonna get deep into all your revenue goodness, you know, over the past number of years. The theme of this episode is the rise of RevOps. So RevOps is a fairly recent term, like 10 years ago, nobody was talking about this, right? Yeah. Uh, it's very similar to a New England IPA. 10 years ago, it was not a beer style that existed. Okay. Uh, and now they're everywhere. Um, so what you have here is Cloud Surfer from okay. Trophy Brewing in Raleigh. So I'm representing my hometown here. A New England IPA is the most um, un-IPA-like IPA you might ever have. So okay. it uses a lot of hops. We've been Got talking it. about hops a lot in this it's series. Be bitter, then. That's wow. So there's the rub. There's, beer, there's the beer trick. Drinker, so. Sometimes you put in hops during the boil. That adds a sure, bitterness. Sure, 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 yeah. Some New England IPAs are made without any hops during the boil. They add those hops much later in the process. Um, one of the reasons that they're so hazy, some people call these hazy IPAs, is they've actually started adding the hops during active fermentation. This was something that like nobody ever thought to do. Like There was no yeah. reason to do this. But there's some kind of reaction sure. with the, uh, the oils in the hops and the proteins in the malt and the yeast that's actively fermenting that actually binds those hop acids um, and oils that, that give it that nice floral character, they bind that to the protein and they stay in suspension and that's why they're hazy. These yeah. come out as very juicy the okay. way that the hops and the, the malt combine. Are we ready? It's very interesting, yeah. yeah. So, cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. Rev Ops and Hots, San Antonio. I'm not a giant IPA drinker, but this is good. You know, they do use often wheat malt or oat malt in these. Got it. Because those malts have more protein. Uh, and the protein it. and then the hops acting together make it give okay. you this unique beer. Let's just start with your background a little bit. Sure. So uh, my background is uh, mainly in lots of different customer-facing roles. So sure. sales, marketing, customer success. Um, I spent 18 years at Rackspace, um, yeah. you know, from 50 employees to... 6,500 employees. So there you go. Uh, that was a fun ride Dang. and have done a few That's smaller companies since then. Like the Racker crowd. I feel like it's like a tour of duty in the San Antonio, Austin, <laughs> Austin area. You got a lot yeah. of Rackers who then They're a big are just employer like, yeah. yeah, which is awesome. And I, is it something where like going through that, obviously there was tons of change, like Rackspace, then all of a sudden like cloud, yeah. then AWS, totally. all these types of things. Like what were some of the top like holy cow lessons like when you take yeah. a step back and you're like wow that that really helped me in my next career and that's going to help me at charge yeah and there are things that um you learn during those experiences that you don't even know you're learning right? sure, sure, um, sure when we grew 70 percent year over year for something like 10 years and so um everybody was yeah. forced to do things that you didn't know how to do yeah um which is a huge experience right and sure. uh, i think the attitude um of the company was you know uh, go make it happen if sure. you uh mess it up uh, fix it and make it right and yeah, yeah, keep yeah. moving forward. Right. Um, because there were so many experiences that nobody had before. Right. We didn't totally. uh, know how to build a, you know, multi-billion dollar company. We just knew that we yeah. were out to, you know, serve customers and that's deliver cool. great customer outcomes. And that's what we were all 
organized around. What exactly is a CRO yeah. now, right? It's like yep. it's like RevOps. It's like, what does that actually mean? What are yep. the bounds of it? Because yeah. there's a lot of flavors of CROs as well. No doubt. Yeah. yeah, I think if I think about it, it's really because revenue materialization, um, delivering great customer outcomes, and um, really growing your business has become more complex. I mean, yeah. if you think about early days of, you know, uh, where I come from, managed hosting, it was pretty simple, right? You had yeah. a subscription model, um, you bought one flavor of server and you paid that every month yeah. forever and so the revenue materialization the um you know churn analytics sure forecasting all that stuff was pretty simple for me it's managing the entire revenue process sure. and thinking about um you know how do you monetize products um how do we go to market from a um you know uh from marketing perspective what do we position ourselves as sure you know how do we sell and then uh, what are the things you do to keep customers happy yeah and the analytics knowledge and uh, you know, process you put behind all those things. It, it seems what I always worry about with CROs, like you just described a kitchen sink. <laughs> it's like, hey, you know, all these revenue problems, yeah. like you go figure it out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So how do you how do you manage that? Right. Like especially you got 6,500 employees at Rackspace when you were there. You've done a couple of things since then, you know, Chargeify just under 100 folks. Like even then it's like there's just so much complexity. Like how do you pick what to focus on? Because one thing that we've kind of struggled with in talking to some of the guests is like, if you're a very sales or very marketing focused like CRO or like RevOps leader, it's like you're just going to kind of go the path of least resistance, which is like trying to acquire more customers, not thinking about churn, all those types of things. So like, how do you how do you manage like your prioritization? Yeah, for me, I um, I just have to have a good set of analytics that like gives me a view of the business and, um, you know, what's working and what's not. And I think every day is kind of a different problem, right? Like one day you may be, um, you know, MQLs are low. Another day, you know, your reps might not be turning you know, SQLs into opportunities and you may have a churn problem the next. And so I just think it's, you just need a well-rounded experience to be able to, um, you know, tackle some of the challenges that you come across. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to obviously prioritize, but is it is it literally just looking at the entire like funnel and post funnel and then being like, that number is probably too low, that number is fine. Like, is that kind of how it works? Or? Yeah, I think so. I mean, for me, like when I come into a business, you have to set some targets. Yeah. And those can be based on industry or based on what's happened in the past. Mm. Um, and, you know, like my, you know, job one when I come in is looking at analytics. And then there's like, you know, strategic problems, which, you know, take months and months to solve, right? Like yeah. the, what we just talked about is all the tactical stuff. Why do you think that the uh, CRO title didn't seem to exist like 10 years ago? Nobody's talking about it. Yeah. Now it's like one of the top growing job posts on yeah. LinkedIn. So I think we heard 3,000% yeah. or 8,000% yeah. yeah, increase in the huh? past like yeah. couple of years or something. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I really think it goes back to the way people consume software, the way businesses consume software today. Right. Um, you know, if you think about uh, whatever, uh, 10 years ago, uh, it was pretty simple, right? Like there was the beginning of SaaS, you know, um, in a very simple form, like not very sure. usage-based. It was subscription. And even before that, you know, if you ordered a server from Dell, um, the process between ordering that server and materializing it to revenue is, it's pretty simple, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think uh, today with especially B2B SaaS, which I think is probably where you see the CRO title most. Got it. Um, it's just complex, right? There's, yeah. um, you know, there's the trial process is hard, right? How do you position yourself to customers? Um, what are the, um, you know, features that you want to gate versus give to everybody? I mean, all those things are hard strategic decisions. And if you look at a marketing role or sales role or even a customer success role, yeah. you don't capture um, everything that, needs to happen to turn a prospect into a customer and to grow that customer over time. So yeah. I really think it um, it goes along with the problems that businesses are solving. You know, I've been in situations before where sales can hit their targets, marketing can hit their targets, customer success can hit their targets, and the company still doesn't achieve the outcomes they're looking for. 
That's crazy. And so um, yeah. I think it's yeah. just all about aligning those teams to achieve a common outcome. One of the secrets is like aligning everybody on what these metrics mean. Got it. Um, you know, and uh, for me, like a metric can be right or wrong, but as long as you manage it over time and you look at the same thing, like you're going to get the trend. And for me, the trend is the most important part yeah. of, of any, any metric. To me, it's really about aligning what people believe is the outcome we're driving for. Got it. You know, like if you say, you know, a marketing team's driving for MQLs and a sales team's driving for bookings and customer success is driving for churn. Yeah. Like I could brew up many scenarios where that doesn't equal growth for the company. Interesting. Because CEOs see that these teams are hitting targets, but the company's not growing. Yeah. And I think, you know, a board CEO, the reality is, SaaS companies are valued on revenue growth. And, sure, sure, sure. Um, you know, if, if what they're doing today isn't producing revenue growth, then I think that's the one of the reasons for adding the role. Gotcha. So when you come into, and you probably can't get into like too many specifics here, but you, you know, when you come into Chargerify, yep. right? So you've been at big companies, small companies all, yep. all across the board. Chargerify, like growing companies focus, but there's always champagne problems left sure. and right, right? Yep. What are you evaluating? Like you walk into the company, yeah. like day one through 90, like what are you evaluating? What are you trying to figure out? What systems are you setting up? All that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, um, I'm kind of just like 90 days in watch mode, you know, like yeah. just learning. Because I think there's, uh, it's really easy to make a quick assumption around sure. why a company's doing something and assume it's wrong, right? Yeah, or, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to learn for the first 90 days Got it. and understand um, like where are we doing well? Where are we struggling? Uh, what things can I help with? And I think it's always a mix between you know, your skill set and what the company needs as well. Sure. And so um, I just try, you know, try to find ways where um, I think the company can do better yeah. and where I can help. Like you guys are implementing RevOps like officially. You kind of mm -hmm. had it a little bit already. Yeah. Like that report to you? Like is that, like how, like what's that structure look like? Part of what we're doing is implementing some of the, um, you know, some of the things that we want to measure, manage, just the day-to-day the -day, um uh, analytics to run the business, yeah. right? To understand what's it's happening. Like basic hygiene to like understand. Yeah and, I, yeah, yeah. yeah. and for me, the, you know, the first step of any revenue growth is delivering great customer outcomes. And sure. so, um, you know, I think that's what you have to focus on first, right? Like what are the analytics of delivering a great customer outcome? And then how does that translate into revenue? To me, those are the two things that I'm, I'm passionate about. And that's what I work on every day. I think a big mm. part of the job is, you know, influencing people to get the outcome you want. And yeah. so, um, to me, the mindset is, um, you know, I'm centered around great customer outcomes, deliver revenue growth. And so I think the first thing is knowing that we're here to serve customers, right? Like mm -hmm. everything we do is about the customer, uh, even how you report results, um, what you talk about on a daily basis, Got like it. those things matter a lot to the whole team. And yeah. so, you know, it's not uncommon for uh, just talking about different things and getting people sure. to focus on um, the right stuff that grows revenue uh, to have a really big impact on a company. And so, you know, to me, I think about like a support team. That's a great example of that, right? You're never going to have an incentive on uh, you know, on revenue, sure. but the things they do every day have a huge impact on revenue growth and how happy customers are. And, yeah. you know, are they willing to renew with you and, you know, keep buying your service? So, um, you know, I think that's a great example for me on, uh, you know, where do you want to influence people to help you deliver revenue growth? Mm -hmm. Um, and so with support, you know, I'd talk about things like, um, you know, they probably care less about the actual revenue growth. They care more about, you know, how are they helping customers and, you know, ticket response times and, you know, yeah. all those metrics that lead to, uh, you know, great customer outcomes. You know, you delivered this outcome for the customer and mm -hmm. this is what happened, right? Like you mm -hmm. helped grow that customer, mm -hmm. um, you know, all that. I think that's gives a lot of time the technical crowd like more uh, buy into the mission yeah. than the actual revenue growth itself. So yeah. for me, it's just about tailoring what each team cares about. Sure. 
um, you know, why they come to work every day and, and helping tie that to revenue growth. When you look at like Clutz team, like yeah. on the engineering side, you know, product as well. Like yeah. when, when you look at that side of the business, they're kind of like support in the sense that they don't have a revenue target. Yep. And they're extremely influential yeah. on revenue, yep. right? Yeah. So how do you keep that balance between, and, and maybe you don't keep the balance, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know how often you're in revenue meetings, like uh, top level meetings, I'm sure, mm-hmm. but like the individual like yeah. sales agile meetings or something like that. But like, how do you, how do you make sure that, you know, Clet and Burrow aren't like yeah. making or creating something that's like not on plan, but also yeah. like keeping the long-term vision, which is what a lot of product and engineering yeah. folks really do. Yeah. The first thing is helping them understand um, how customers are consuming the product, right? What they mm-hmm. care about for product. It's, you know, helping to prioritize what we need to build, what customers sure. value or things we need to improve. Yeah. You know, for engineers, I think it's the reality is you can go build a really great product or you can build a crappy product. And mm-hmm. Um, those have a huge impact on our success as a company. You know, I think like bringing customers into the mix, like helping, uh, helping the engineers put a face to what they're doing sure. matters a lot, right? Like yeah. if they know, hey, you're helping this customer achieve this outcome, right? This is what your, your work is turning into. Mm-hmm. I think they're much more likely to um, buy into the mission, to um, you know, go the extra mile to build a really great product rather yeah. than to just do the minimum. You mentioned customer outcomes, and that's come up a lot during the season. Um, and you know the the classical definition of RevOps, a lot of times ties it back to like revenue as a metric. Sure. But then everybody else, I also keep hearing customer outcomes, yeah. and so yeah. it, I think there's clearly like a leak between those two things. Revenue is a lagging indicator for an engineer. You Got put it. out a feature, and it could be six months before it has that impact. Yeah. But I think we do things at Chargeify that help um, help do that, like um, help connect the dots between uh, what they're doing and how it helps customers. Um, you know, like on a, I don't know about daily, but probably weekly basis, there's, you know, some kind of celebration on Slack about somebody going the extra mile to create mm-hmm. a, a new feature or to yeah. enhance a feature based on customer feedback. Speed and things so, up, do this. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Those things matter a lot to, totally. to customers. So are those two things synonyms? Are customer outcomes and revenue synonyms um, in the two definitions yeah. of RevOps that, that I've heard? That's fascinating. That's <laughs> actually yeah. a really good question. Yeah. What do you think? Well, for me, I think you can have... Um, you can have revenue growth in the short term without great customer outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the long term, right, to build a sustainable business, yeah. um, I think, you know, you have to focus on customer outcomes totally. and how that connects uh, to revenue, sure. not the other way around. A lot of CROs like I meet, though, they're like so sales focused mm-hmm. yeah. that like customer success is not a thing. Like, yeah. and, and, and that's why it's almost as if, and I think I said this in the last episode, it's almost as if they're like, well, we need like a C-level role and we don't want to have a chief sales officer. So let's just make this person CRO. Yeah. And really it's just sales and not even marketing or customer success is reporting to them. And yeah. what's kind of funny too is like, I think Gainsight and some of the customer success companies out there actually say that customer success should report directly to the CEO which I think that like, yes, if your CEO is your acting CRO, maybe, but I feel like at scale, especially yeah. if you're a sizable company, like a 6,500 person company, that's almost impossible yeah. to do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I think it, there are a lot of factors that, that play into where things report. Um, yeah. And I actually think the reporting structure is less important than, you know, the overall focus of the teams and tying sales, marketing, product, you know, customer success all into the sure. same metrics. To me, that's the most important thing. And yeah. wherever those report, um, I think are... Um, dependent on the company and many other factors. So I'm sure that the answer for you individually is a bit different than like CROs in general. But when you think about recruiting someone like you um, and ultimately, like, what did you look for in that next opportunity? Yeah, I think anybody who's on the, you know, go to market side, the most exciting thing for them is growth. Right. So um, I think if you have a growth opportunity, then 
um, you can recruit, you know, somebody uh, like me to help grow the company. Yeah. And I think I've learned over time, like I value, um, you know, kind of what market you're in and sure. uh, the people around you. Like I want a team that um, I believe can be successful. Got it. Like capture the market and, uh, you know, um, you know, grow over time. Right. That's the goal. When you're coming through the door, like there's probably already like a sales ops or marketing. Like there's someone who's probably doing some of the functional aspects of RevOps. Yeah. But let's just assume those people didn't exist. And you're coming in as a CRO. What what are your first like three to five hires like for that team? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the to me the analytics um, and understanding the business is one of the most important things. So that's what I would hire. Sure. Um, and you know I think once you have an understanding of what you know what's going on, what the the truth of the situation is, then you can start improving it. But Got it. Um, until you understand that, I think it's that's like really hard to do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're just solving for the wrong things, right? Totally. Like. Um, I think the easiest thing is to come in and start doing things. Just doing stuff. The yeah. hard thing is to wait for, you know, 90 or you know, whatever, 60 days and really learn the business. Yeah. And you just have to be less tactical. I mean, sure. I think there are tactics involved, but um, you want to go set out and solve big problems, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, those don't, you know, those don't happen overnight. Sure. And I think understanding the problems don't happen overnight. Got it. And you just have to unwind them a bit, right? Yeah, yeah. You mentioned, um, like, the the growth roles at yep. the company. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big marketer. I spend more time in the tech, but I remember yeah. like maybe five, 10 years ago, everybody talked about like growth hacking and like, yeah. you yeah. know, just like this, you know, marketing growth yeah. is, is RevOps a little bit of a evolution of that? Yeah. I think because that um, it's probably a more strategic version of that. You know, like the, if you think about growth hacking, right. And how we use it today, um, like do we have churn indicators, we have indicators of uh, you know, when we should call a customer. And so I think the, um, to me, that was the first understanding of, um, it's not just a salesperson who's going to grow a customer, right? Yeah. There are yeah. ways you can engineer, um, market to, and, you know, understand what they're doing on a daily basis to, to grow customer. When you think about like, I know I at least advocate getting your subscription management and billing like figured out as early as possible, but there's right. always the, I don't know. And I have this too when I was in the early stages of like, no, we're just build it. We'll just figure it out. We'll just do this. Like the whole like penny wise, pound foolish like concept. Mm. Yeah. When do you see that people actually like typically start to like take it seriously? Like what revenue range do you think that typically starts to happen? Well, a lot of customers we talk to are probably in the, you know, once you start to get like over a hundred K a month, then you think yeah. about like, you know, uh, a CEO has a different problems to solve. Got it. Um, and I think that's when you start looking for an expert and yeah. you probably, you know, start to mature the business where, um, you're bringing in people who have done these things before sure. and know that it's manual billing is just not going to cut it yeah. for much longer. And when do you see, maybe not necessarily from a tooling perspective, but from like a CRO perspective and from like a billing perspective, like, okay, so from 100K a month to let's say 10 million a year, like what are the things that you're optimizing through that period from like a, a RevOps kind of perspective and from a billing perspective? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it'd start with like marketing analytics, right? Like as you scale, Talk you're, the, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. probably uh, driving more traffic to your website. You sure. want to understand where those people are going and how they're interacting with your content and um, your team, right? Sure. So, um, you know, I think the, you know, marketing analytics stack at that point becomes pretty important as sure. well as, you know, something like Salesforce, right? Like being able to uh, understand what's happening to leads okay. once you pass them to sales. CRM, you're like Salesforce. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 that's yeah. classic. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, it's fine. That's what we found too. Like we were yeah. on all this other stuff and then we reached like this milestone. We're like, yeah. mm, we got to go to Salesforce. So yeah. that's wild. Yeah. And then over 10 million, let's say like probably not 10 to hundred, but like 10 to 50, like what yeah. are the next things that you kind of optimize? Is it getting into like 
like variable pricing in some particular way? Like how, how do you guys see that based on your customers and what you see in the space? Yeah. I mean, we see, we see variable pricing at every, every step, sure. step along the way. Um, I think that what you start to see with the, the bigger um, merchants is like the need for revenue recognition and more sure. of the reporting on the back end, right? Yeah. Because the, the burden on them, yeah, yeah, the burden yeah, on them yeah. with their new accounts becomes more and more. Yeah. Um, and your billing system sitting at the center of all that with all the information yeah. um, becomes the source. Like, it, you know, we don't, we are not a CRM. We don't claim to be a CRM, sure. but we end up being the center of the customer account. It's a like a system of, of like record. We, yeah, almost, we have, yeah, we have all the data. We have all the data. And when you think about like a, you know, usage base rather than just a simple subscription, sure. then you think about like, you know, how do you store, analyze, understand uh, what parts of the app your customers are using? Uh, how do you price those? All those things, right? Yeah. Um, become really important. Well, it becomes it's super interesting too because what we normally see <clears throat> is that as these companies get larger, when you look at like NPS scores for folks on billing systems, like we typically find like mm -hmm. the finance folks actually have higher NPS scores because they're the ones where all the complexity comes yeah. forward. Like engineering, you can typically deprioritize billing on some particular capacity because it's not core, right? Like, or it's core to the business, but it's not core to like the product that you're building. Sure. Um, I just think like finance folks and to a greater extent RevOps folks just don't get enough credit on like, you know, they're kind of like the engineers of the business, you know, in the growth. And that's, that's one of those things where they need the right tools, which I think is a huge, huge piece of RevOps. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I think when we, when we're interacting with prospects as well, right, there's always a component of, uh, the developer versus the, you know, executive team and the finance team, like, you know, uh, what do they value? And so it's always a yeah. kind of a tricky mix, right, to uh, help them understand uh, how we help each party, yeah. you know, because we serve a different function for everybody. Totally. We talked a little bit about the relationship between marketing and sales. Like, what is the yeah. ideal relationship between those two departments? No relationship. <laughs> Yelling Brick at each wall. other? Yeah. I don't yeah, think that works. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's I mean, the opposite. Yeah. I'm just a tech guy. <laughs> You're just a tech guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, so I think the ideal relationship is you have um, uh, you you've kind of agreed on what success looks like for both yeah. teams, right? Like um, in same sales, metric, same metric, or mm, maybe overlapping. Like I don't know about the same. Guy or are you an MQL? Uh, I think you got to look at all of them, and I okay. think that um, marketing marketing. No, no, I think I think marketing caring a little bit about um, you know bookings and how um, you know how the. MQL is getting all the way through the funnel matters a lot. Sure. Um, at the same time, the sales team needs to care about how they're converting MQLs to SQLs, right? You can't yeah. just say, oh, those were crappy leads, they didn't convert, right? Yeah. You got to do your part. Gotta and work so, the leads. Yeah, yeah, I think having, to me, um, marketing and sales should have independent metrics, but sure. some of them should overlap, right? Yeah. Like marketing should care about how many SQLs you create mm. and how many opportunities you create. Um, and sales also has to care about, you know, how well they're doing at converting the mm. MQLs to, you know, to leads. Sir. So that's cool. Should customer success have a quota? Uh, yes, I think. Um, yeah. I think the um, what you want to drive is uh, the right customer outcome, right? Sure. Like that's probably the easy answer. But um, you want to drive um, them have a quota that um, allows them to do the right thing for customers. Sure. Um, but also always has the company's best interest in mind sure. as well, right? Like their job is to um, you know prevent churn and to drive growth. Yeah. And they should have goals for that. That's interesting. Um, yeah. But at the same time, it's um, you know, you can have a goal and then the next question is, how do you get paid on the goal, right? Sure, it sure, can sure. just be a goal. It can be, you know, part of your compensation. It. it can be a bonus, right? So I think there's all those just, considerations too. a good too. job or bad job. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. That's cool. And I think each of those has a different impact on what they do. Yeah. That debate always kind of gets me. I'm always kind of like, it's that, that old joke of like, 
yeah, well, like we shouldn't do testing or we shouldn't have a quota. And it's like, so we shouldn't measure <laughs> if you're doing well, like, which I know it's not that easy or yeah. like, it's a lot more complicated because you don't want the wrong incentives, and the wrong outcomes being driven yeah. towards. But yeah, it's always interesting. Yeah. And it always matters the kind of people you hire too, you know, that's true. like yeah. um, going in and designing that after the fact is always a little harder yeah. than upfront, right? Sure. Upfront, if you design your role and uh, have a good idea of what outcome you're trying to drive, totally. then it's easier to find people to do that yeah. with the skill set that have done that in the past. Yeah. Um, so anyway, but I've been in roles where you have to reverse engineer it, right? Sure. You've already got people um, not driving the outcome you want and you have to kind of change what they're doing. So, Do people worry about like someone like you coming in? Like, do they worry like, like internally sure. or like, they any new people, any new person, right? Sure. I think <laughs> like they worry about, but do they kind of so. worry about like, Oh, we're going to culture is going to change too dramatically. Like all this kind of stuff. Like, have you, have you run it? Yeah. I mean, you probably haven't run that quite yet at Chargeify. But yeah. it, and like, people probably don't tell you that anyway, right? Well, I'm so, sure. So yeah. I just think you have to be conscious of it. That sure. What you say matters, you know? Of course. Um, people listen to every word and you yeah. just have to choose your words carefully. And yeah. that's why I think the learning period is really important, right? Got you it. just got to, uh, like doing nothing for a while sometimes is the best thing you can do yeah, because yeah, yeah. you uh, build confidence or you build trust with people, right? Sure. People uh, then have confidence in what you're doing. They think that, or they know that you understand the business a bit better Got at it. that point. And so- you know, to me, the like, uh, like a cooling off period serves a lot of purposes. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Let's talk about Scott. A lot of what he said rings true. Like he came in, he went into listen mode and he is yeah. earning respect of everybody. Oh, that's by, cool. Yeah. By being willing by to listen. By not just like, let's slash these things out and like, let's yeah. fix this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's cool. We've had like mid-tier execs or someone else come in and be like we're going to change it all and we're going to change it to the thing that we did last time at my old company which is not the good idea right but it's one of those things where i can imagine someone coming in at that stature and being i'm going to listen and learn and me being like yeah but what are you going to do all right like let's go let's go let's go let's go let's go and like having that patience and that long-term vision is super super tough but yeah Seems like he can handle it. And like you said, it sounds like it's it's getting respect. So what really stuck out to me was the idea of customer outcomes, because that has come up in a lot of the episodes. Um, the, the classical definition of RevOps talks about like revenue is the metric. Right? Sure. And like is customer outcomes equated to revenue is the metric. And I think like I think it is because the the metric of revenue doesn't mean RevOps must always grow revenue. Sure. Obviously, that's the long term goal. But you are developing those customer outcomes it may mean, hey, I know making this tweak actually will impact revenue negatively yeah. now, but it's going to improve the customer outcome in this in this other area of the business, which totally. long-term will impact revenue. Yeah. So I think that, you know, putting that customer outcome first yeah. um, is is one way to look at this too. Yeah. It's not just like, okay, how can we increase revenue today? Well, was like, that point too that he was making about, like it's terrible to have every team, like customer success, sales, marketing, meeting their goal, but the business isn't meeting its goal. Mm. Like there's clearly something wrong. Right. And that's why like in his listen and wait mode, the, the idea of like analytics and things like that, I think is so important. Yeah. It's just like understand like what, just where are we? Like in terms of what's going on and what impacts what and so on and so forth. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, Great. thanks to Scott and the whole Chargeify crew. This was this week's episode of RevOps and Hops. If you enjoyed this episode, got some value out of it, make sure you share it with your friends or a colleague. And ultimately, make sure you're subscribed via email or through the podcasting app of choice. And we will see you next week. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.